The Bible contains the message that leads to eternal salvation. Now here's another question for you. What is that message? What is that message? Welcome to New Life. Welcome to my world. So glad that you joined me, and I trust and pray, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here around the Word of God for the next several moments. As spoken at the outset, the intro to uh, this particular teaching, let me ask you this question. Do you know God's plan of salvation? Do you know what the message of salvation is? It's very important for you to know that. We're going to get into that in this particular half of this series that we began a couple of weeks ago, one titled Righteousness for Everyone. Make no mistake about it, everyone includes you. We're going to jump right on into this. It's pretty in-depth, and uh, we want to get to as much of it as we possibly can. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to a, a portion of our text passage, which is found in Romans chapter 10. I'm going to read verse 14, just that one verse in your hearing, and we're going to jump right on into this. The New International Version puts it this way, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? What a great question. And he follows up this way. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Well, we're going to try to help you hear and know and understand what that message is. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every one listening into this telecast. And I pray by whatever means they are listening, whether live or sometime later on, I pray in Jesus' name, by your word, you would speak this gospel message to their hearts. May they know it and understand it and take advantage of it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. Keep your Bibles handy. Follow along with us. God bless. The North American Missions Board of the Southern Baptist Convention published this, quote, Since the day of Pentecost, whole populations and ethnic groups have lived and died without ever having an opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ's offer of salvation. Even at the dawn of the 21st century, there are pockets of humanity who have yet to have the gospel delivered to them. End quote. Another source cites, It is estimated that of the 7.83 billion people alive in the world today, 3.37 billion of them live in unreached people groups with little or no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Over half or nearly half of the persons alive today. And I would say to you this morning that that is no wonder when you consider 
Number one, on your study notes. Fill this in with me. One survey reveals that less than 10%, less than 10% of Christians share the gospel with one person per year. Less than 10% share the gospel with one person per year. And when I read that, I had to ask myself, why? What, what is it that's driving this negligent posture to evangelism? Now, most of you probably know. If you don't, you're about to know. I grew up in an evangelical friend's church, and we called it an evangelical friend's church because we're evangelicals. We believe in evangelism. Now, evangelical is a dirty, nasty political term today, but it is not. It is a Bible word, euangelion, being evangelistic. And I grew up, had my teeth cut in a church where we were prompted to reach out to the masses and to tell everyone we know that we know Jesus. So what is this that's driving this negligent posture uh, toward evangelism in our present world? Something that is very difficult for me, Terry E. Knighton, to wrap my little churched mind around is the fact that some earth dwellers have never heard the gospel message of the Bible. That still messes with me just a little bit. And I'll have to just to be very honest with you this morning, I am prone to think it must be that these persons have heard the gospel, but they just haven't really listened to it. It couldn't be that it wasn't available to them. Perhaps they just didn't pay attention to what they've heard. But I will tell you the facts betray my musings. No doubt, many people residing in the United States of America and somebody remind me where Ridgeway, Virginia is. Come on, wake up. Where's Ridgeway? Commonwealth State of Virginia. It's in the United States of America. No doubt there are a lot of people residing in the United States of America, and that may include your neighborhood, persons that have never watched this, literally been approached. Everybody say approached. Oh, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here. They've never literally been approached by a genuine, meaning born-again, spirit-filled believer and presented on purpose with the gospel. Ponder that for just a second. Now, many persons out there, listen to me, church, and I'm talking to the church. Many persons out there no doubt, are victims of this. Well, they should know. They should know. So since they should know, we're off the hook, right? Well, now, ain't that convenient for us as hell continues to be overpopulated? Can we default to that defense? Many people do. Many people do. Beloved, 
if the New Testament is clear about any one thing apart from the truth that Jesus Christ is God's provision for mankind's sin problem, yours and mine, it is this. Those that obediently respond to God's call of salvation, those who have been born again, spirit-filled, they must also respond to something else. If they are to remain obedient to, uh, to such passages as we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Turn over there with me. Now keep your Bible handy this morning, and you might want to keep one hand available to fan. We're going to find so much scripture your Bible might catch on fire as you fan around through there this morning. Now listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. I'm going to try to articulate for you in a systematic way. Here's what Paul says, Therefore, that would indicate to you that I have pulled this out of the middle of the chapter. Amen? Are you with me? Therefore, and I'd encourage you to go back and see what was before the therefore. He says this, if anyone is in Christ, he, ladies, she, he or she is a new creation. I like that. You ever looked in the mirror and thought, like I do sometimes, you know, I joke around with my hairdresser. I go in, I tell her to give me that Elvis cut. And when she gets through, I still look like Terry. You ever look in the mirror, look in your, the, in your soul, and you wish it was different, wish things were different? Man alive, the Bible's saying that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation, not remodeled, a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Somebody tell me, is that the end of that passage? Say no. No, look at verse 18. All this, that salvation plan is from God who reconciled us to himself. Here's a big old theological doctrinal word that you need to understand. Reconciled. In the original language, that word would be katalasso. And I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly. You Greek scholars can uh, straighten me out later. Here's what that word means. It means to decisively change, to change because of a decision. It is applied generally to marriage. You understand new life? Marriage is between a what? A man and a Let's do that one more time for the sake of those that are confused about that. It's between a and a those two come together, and what happens? According to the Word of God, they become one. Now, I didn't make that up. That's not Terry's rules. Don't shoot the postman. Oh, I'm just delivering the letter. They become one. That's what's entailed in this word reconcile. God has made us one, has reconciled us to himself. How? Through Christ, and look at this. Yeah, we usually jump up and down about that. Whoopee! We've been made one with God. Is that good news? Is that the end of the sentence? No. Everybody looks at your neighbor and say, No. Through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to preach this one of these days. 
And I'm going to start, and I'm going to say, as for you, Zach, and you, Martina, and I'm going to go through the whole congregation, because sometimes I think people think the preacher's talking about somebody else when he says everyone. Just want to warn you, I'm filling my oats this morning. Are you still with me? Gave us the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of helping people discover how you exchange your guilt and your sin for God's righteousness and become one with God. Who did he entrust that ministry to? Us. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he says it again, he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Look at verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Now, I realize I'm the preacher, the pastor teacher, the called one. I'm telling you, that lights my fire, and it ought to light your fire too. Have you ever considered that you are mentioned in the Scriptures from time to time? Here it is. If you're a believer, he's talking about you. Fill in number two with me on your study notes. Beloved, there's no way around it. I know you'd like for there to be a way around it. I know that there are persons that go from this church fellowship to that church fellowship to this abomination to that abomination trying to get around this, but there ain't no getting around it. There's no way around this mandate. God has purpose for you, whoever you are, to know him and for you to tell others about him. For you to be involved in this ministry of reconciliation. Pastor Terry, where did you come up with that? Somebody tell me where I come up with it. I just read it for you, did I not? Now, I am convinced of this. I am. When you truly receive forgiveness of sins, and when you really realize that you did not deserve that, it's all because of the gracious God of creation. When you truly receive forgiveness of sins and you, that burden is taken off you and Jesus begins to live in your heart, I'm not talking about some dead, dried-up religious checking off the boxes. I'm talking about when Jesus begins to live in your heart. Beloved, you will begin to express that to others. I believe that. Now watch. It might take a while. And it might be kind of awkward in the beginning. It might come out sounding like this. Hey, did you know? It might be kind of awkward in the beginning. You might put your foot in your mouth. Things might come out a little sideways. You know what that means? That means you need some practice. That's what that means. You need to rehoice. Just keep rehoicing and rehoicing until pretty soon this will get easier. In the beginning, it's kind of awkward, but it will come out. Watch this. And if necessary, it will even come out with words. Words. Our text this morning, which is Romans chapter 10, I need to remind you that because we're going to be all over the place. But our text unpacks some details about your calling. 
and God's purpose for your life. Let me remind you from part one, we introduced you to a little fellow named Saul. That was his Israelite name. He was called by his Roman name or his Gentile name, Paul. And Paul is writing this letter to help Jew first and Gentile alike understand that salvation is available for all of mankind, men, women, boys, girls, Jew, Gentile, red, yellow, black, white, everyone, a righteousness for everyone. Thus the title of this particular series. Now, let me take you back to Romans 10 and verse 14. Paul asked a remarkable question. What kind of question? It's remarkable. Look at verse 14. How then can they, Jews or Gentiles, call on the one they have not believed in? Question mark. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Question mark. Now, this is somewhat of a rhetorical question. What does that mean? That means basically that the answer is so obvious that there's no answer necessary. It's almost like you're answering by asking the question. No one is going to engage something that they have never heard tell of. Right? Just as an illustration to you. I'm thinking of something right now. Would you, would you be willing to engage that with me? It went right over your head, didn't it? The first question usually pops up is, what are you thinking? Right? It just makes sense. Paul was right. No one's going to engage something that they have never heard of. That is a practical impossibility. In fact, it's kind of moronish if you stop and think about it. Which leads me to number three on your study notes before I get too moronish. It goes without saying, but in order for anyone to express faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and ask Him to save them, to take their sins away, and fill them with precious Holy Spirit, they first must, or they must first, be told about Him. Make sense? Does it? Now watch this. The telling must of necessity come forth by a born-again messenger of God. Now, I believe this is a technicality, but the message must come forth by a born-again messenger of God that is putting forth the authorized message of God, not just someone spouting off the top of their head or from their, their mind, their thoughts, their history, whatever, just whatever it is that they might be thinking. This is very specific. Said that to say this, how does one come to faith in Christ Jesus? How does that happen? By the way, there are a lot of people that think they're going to heaven. They don't have a clue about what I'm telling you right here. So it's important that you catch this. How does one come to faith in Christ? 
We don't have to wonder about that, do we? Say no. How so? Because our text passage tells us. Look at verse 17 of Romans chapter 10. Paul says, consequently, faith comes from hearing what? Faith comes from hearing, say it with me, the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. What a coinkydink. We happen to have copies of that. Isn't that, isn't that good? It's heard through the, through the word of Christ. Listen, beloved, this Bible, the Bible contains the message that leads to eternal salvation. Now, here's another question for you. What is that message? What is that message? Go with me, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians. We were in 2 Corinthians. Now we'll catch 1 Corinthians. Still coming from the inspired pen of the Apostle Paul. Chapter 15, verse number 1. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 1. This is addressed to the brothers, speaking to the members of the forever family of God, speaking to the church. Brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. Everybody say gospel. And notice again, the gospel I, Paul says, that I preach to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Hallelujah. Verse 2, by this gospel, the gospel that he presented, you are saved. Look at this. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. If you don't hang on to it, then it's not going to turn out too well. Verse number 3, For what I received, the gospel, I passed on to you as of first importance. Here it is, he outlines it. Number 1, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Who died for your sins? Christ Jesus. You know that. That's why we put hang up crosses, and uh, we, that's, we're not into idolatry. We're not worshiping that piece of wood hanging up there. Then you'll notice something about that piece of wood hanging up there. Somebody tell me what it is. It's empty, and, and we're learning why right here. Christ died, suffered on an old rugged cross, which, by the way, didn't look anything like this, do some research on that. But Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Secondly, that He was buried, buried in a tomb, and He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. Proof positive that there was a resurrection. If He had not appeared, then a lot of us would probably be very skeptical, but he did reappear. There is the gospel message, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the soon coming of Jesus Christ. Say that with me, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the soon coming. The gospel message. Paul says that's how the, the message that I preached to you guys, this is how you were saved. Beloved, let me wrap it up for this particular session by telling you this. Many years ago, over 50 years ago now, the Lord spoke to my heart and drew me to Himself. And it was by His Word.
that I began to know and understand God's plan for my life. A preacher, actually his name was Pastor Church, Reverend Church, how you like that? But he was preaching at a revival meeting, and God pierced my heart with that word, God's word, and I gave my heart and life to the Lord. Again, over 50 years ago, I've never regretted that for one second. Now, I believe this, just a few years after that, I felt a calling from the Lord, an urging, an inner drawing from the Lord to do exactly what had been done to me, to share the Word of God with others, to put forth the Word of God. That's why I'm endeavoring to do what I am right now, trying to help others know and understand the message of salvation. It's very simple. God has a plan. The plan has a name. His name is Jesus. We have a sin problem, and we come to God as sinners, and we can't communicate with, we can or not communicate, but fellowship with God until we take care of our sin problem. That is done through Christ by confessing our sins, repenting of our sins, turning away from that lifestyle of sin, being filled with God's powerful presence by Holy Spirit, forgiven of our sins, and establishing a lifetime of following after His purpose and plan, which is outlined for us in the Bible. Now listen, so many have tried to complicate that, and I don't know why. I'm not here to judge their motives. I just know this. I was, uh, it had explained to me the simple message of salvation and have been called to do the same for others. So I want to put that before you right now. Whoever you are, wherever you are, do you understand God's message of salvation, and have you accepted that? Have you repented of your sins, confessed your sins? Have you been born anew of the Spirit, filled with God's precious Holy Spirit, and are you walking after Him? Not just making the boast of some one-time commitment where you spouted off a few words, but you really have been changed from the inside out, and you're following after God, following after Him by doing those things that Jesus left us to do. That is my prayer for you. Now listen, if you're still somewhat confused about that, let me encourage you to take that first step and then trust the Lord. Begin to read the Bible, the Word of God. Start in the New Testament book of John. It's a simple um, foundational approach to the life of Jesus Christ. When you get to chapter 3 in particular, there's some language that deals with the issue of being born again. Read it. Let God speak that to you change your life from the inside out and establish you as a member of the forever family of God. Father, I thank you for each one listening in right now and I pray in Jesus' name that by your word you have convinced them, convicted them, and I pray as this word has been sown into their life that it would take root and bear fruit in the days to come. May they know and understand who you are and your wonderful plan for their life, not only in the worlds to come, but in this present existence, we pray in Jesus' name. Listen, if you have some questions, I'm not talking about arguments, but if you have some legit questions about what we've talked about, either in the message or in the follow-up, there's some contact information there on the screen. If you'd give us a call, I'd be glad to try to walk you through uh, your questions and try to help you find some suitable solutions, some answers to the to issues and the problems that you may have with your spiritual life. I do want to remind you that New Life has a regular schedule of activity Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. We also meet Wednesday nights, our small groups for adults, the youth meet, the children meet. It's a fantastic place on Wednesday evening. That's at 7 o'clock. 
My time is gone. I am going to have to get out of here. I am Terry Knight, the pastor for New Life Community Church. I trust you're going to have a great day, what's left of it. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back? <music>